This episode brought to you by Audible, and today you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash sports. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 58. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. We've all heard the phrase, like father, like son. And our guest this episode, Jeff Scott, is a perfect example as he's continuing in his father's footsteps, Brad Scott, as a college football coach. He's currently serving as the co-offensive coordinator at Clemson University, where he's held that position since 2014, along with Tony Elliott. Now, before helping lead the Tigers to the 2016 College Football Playoff National Championship, he served as the recruiting coordinator and wide receivers coach at Clemson from 2008 to 2014. He's been named one of the top 25 recruiters multiple years and was also ACC Recruiter of the Year in 2015. And he's even won a state championship as a head coach at Blythewood High School in 2006. And now, episode 58 with Jeff Scott. Coach Scott, thanks for pushing the pause button in your crazy schedule to spend some time talking about sports and your life because I know even though this isn't the fall football season, there's still a lot going on these days. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, but this is a fun time of the year. I always enjoy this time. Uh, number one, being back on the field with our players in spring practice and you know, kind of starting over uh, with a new team and a new season and all those type of things. So, and then we have a lot of other things going on. Obviously, recruiting is very big this time of year, and uh, we've got a high school coaches clinic. Uh, getting ready to take place. So a lot, of, a lot of big things going on, but exciting part of the year. And with that recruiting aspect, how has social media, though, changed how you're recruiting these days? Yeah, uh, it's been huge. Uh, it's really had a, a dramatic impact uh, on recruiting. Number one, the, the players and their families are able to learn a lot more about Clemson, you know, uh, before they ever get here. And, uh, and then also as coaches, we're able to learn a lot more about our prospects and uh, their families from social media, and then also uh, just a way of communicating. Uh, so it's definitely changed the, the landscape of recruiting. And how many of the old school coaches comment, man, I'm so glad we didn't have social media back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it definitely uh, is different. But, you know, it's been fun to watch guys like Robbie Caldwell, Caldwell and our staff and uh, see him kind of embrace it and get involved <laughs> and, uh, you know, know just enough to be dangerous uh that's kind of where some of the coaches are but you know it's good we got a whole team here at clemson that really helps us with our branding and everything with social media and did you embrace social media pretty quickly i did i don't remember exactly what year it was but i was probably one of the first coaches on the staff to get involved uh, especially you know on twitter and um, you know just trying to put the tiger paw out there as much as i possibly could and uh, now, I mean, it's great. I think our Clemson football Twitter account is 
one of the top, uh, I think most followed uh, Twitter account of any college football team in the country. Well, they've done a great job from a social media aspect, and obviously winning can help that as well. Sure. We do know that. So speaking of winning and going back to getting started, let's go back to 1989. I'm a freshman here at Clemson, just transitioning into my next chapter of life, but what was life like for you in 1989? Yeah, 1989, I was nine years old, and uh, I was on the sidelines at Florida State. Uh, my dad coached at Florida State uh, for 11 years, and uh, Coach Bobby Bowden was a lot like uh, Coach Sweeney in the fact that uh, he embraced the coaches' families and allowed the families to be very involved uh, with the program. And so I was running up and down the sidelines on game days. I was in the locker room, and really every day after school, uh, the school that I went to, uh, at that point was directly behind the Florida State practice fields. And so I can remember standing at the door, and as soon as the bell would ring for the end of the day, you know, I would race about 300 yards uh, to the practice fields at Florida State, you know, spend two hours of practice. When practice was over, I would go up to the uh, coaches' offices while my dad was in there watching film with the offensive staff. I'd sit over there in the corner and you know, work on my homework or, or do whatever. And that was just kind of my daily life. But I loved it. And that was one reason uh, that experience that I had as a, as a young child at Florida State and being around uh, that atmosphere and around the coaching profession is uh, one of the things that uh, really uh, helped me decide that I wanted to be a coach. And do you even remember life without sports? <laughs> no, I, I joke all the time that I feel like I was really kind of born into college football. <laughs> In some ways, <laughs> I said I really don't know if I even had a had a uh, choice of what I wanted to do because this is really what I knew from a very early age. And you know, I can remember you know being six and seven years old, and, and you know, I always wanted to go. Uh, to the stadium with my dad, you know, eight hours before kickoff. And, uh, you know, my mom would want me to wait and come with her, you know, just an hour or two before kickoff. But I always wanted to go early, and uh, I, I wanted to go with my dad on recruiting trips. And so at certain ages, there were certain opportunities. On a Friday, my dad would check me out of school early, and I'd get to ride uh, with him to Jacksonville and, uh, you know, go into the high schools and uh, watch him recruit and then go to the games on Friday nights and you know, those are special memories. And now I actually recruit the Jacksonville area for Clemson. And uh, so it's, it's really neat that, you know, I'm able to go into some of those same schools uh, that I went into many years ago uh, with my dad. Life just comes full circle. It certainly does. And with spending time with your dad, then you having this dream of wanting to be a college football coach, was it more so of because of the memories you have of being with your dad, that father-son bonding, or what was it about coaching that also made you fall in love yeah. with wanting to be a coach? Yeah, I mean, I can remember exactly where I was the moment I decided that I wanted to coach. I was sitting in Charlie Ward's locker. It was the old metal lockers, and uh, I'm literally up in his locker, and he's sitting on his stool uh, looking out at Coach Bowd, and as Coach Bowd walks in uh, to talk to the team, I believe it was 1991, we were getting ready to play Miami, in a big matchup, and uh, I just remember listening to Coach Bowden's pregame speech and watching the players uh, as they were uh, getting ready for the game and, and listening to Coach Bowden. And at that moment, 
You know, I just told myself at 11 years old, even before I really started playing and all those type of things, that that's what I want to do. I want to be a, be a coach. And, you know, and even at a young age, I could recognize the impact that coaches were able to have on the players. And that relationship between a player and a coach is something that um, I valued and I wanted to be a part of that. And then also just the competition and uh, the excitement and everything that goes uh, with, with uh, coaching college football. Uh, is something that attracted me. But, you know, obviously uh, I was very fortunate to have uh, a great mentor in my father. And uh, I think the fact that he enjoyed the profession, you know, really brought our family a lot of a lot of enjoyment, a lot of great memories and great moments. Um, you know, I think that also led to my decision to want to be a coach and continue that. And at that moment was the moment of clarity that you wanted to be a head coach or just a coach? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, at that age, I probably wasn't thinking exactly how it all worked out. But, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, growing up in the coaching profession, there's a progression that takes place. And, you know, really all coaches that want to be the best, I think at some point in their career, they have aspirations, you know, to kind of work their way up. And really, you know, my father's career at Florida State is is really uh, kind of runs parallel to what I've been doing here at Clemson. You know, my, my father started at Florida State as a graduate assistant, moved up to a full-time coach, became recruiting coordinator, and then became offensive coordinator. And uh, I've been very blessed, really, to be on that same track uh, here at Clemson and uh, to be able to work for a great man and Coach Sweeney. And life had to be good for the Scott family in the 90s at Florida State. Yeah, <laughs> That's one of the most dominant programs in college football history. Yeah, I think for 10 years that he was there, they finished in the top five all 10 years. And uh, we went to a bowl game every year, won the bowl game every year. And uh, so it was definitely uh, a special time, a lot of success. And again, I just see a lot of parallels in in that time there and, and what we're doing now at Clemson. When did you actually start playing sports? Yeah, so I, I played, um, you know, obviously grew up in the yard throwing the football at a very early age. <laughs> um, but as far as playing organized, you know, my dad was one that did not want me playing tackle football at an early age just because, um, you know, maybe the safety and, and the different coaching and those type of things that you may get in the young Pop Warner. So he made my brother and I uh, play flag football up until the seventh grade. And then whenever I was in the seventh grade, that was the first time that I played tackle football in the seventh and eighth and then moved up to uh, you know, JV there in high school in the ninth grade. Did you play other sports? I did. Uh, I, play, I, th- I really thought the baseball was you know, going to be one of my top sports, uh, even though I want to be a football coach. You know, <laughs> baseball was probably one of my early uh, favorites and love because I was able to play that at an earlier age, you know, starting with T-ball and working mm-hmm. my way all the way up. And uh, I, I felt I was a pretty good pitcher, and you know, and then in my so, end of my sophomore year of football, I had shoulder surgery, and uh, so that kind of limited me as a pitcher in baseball. But I was still able to to throw the ball in football. So you know, somewhere in the in my high school years, I, I still played baseball all the way through high school. But you know, I think early in my uh, high school, ninth, tenth grade, I kind of started uh, focusing on football as far as what I wanted to do in college. How was your transition then from Tallahassee moving to Columbia, South Carolina, when your dad is named head coach at University of South Carolina in your middle school, yeah. high school years? Yeah, there was, there was a lot of excitement. I mean, I remember, uh, first of all, uh, Florida State won the, their national, first national championship, uh, you know, that same year. And then uh, 
prior to that game was when my dad was actually named uh, in December. He was named the head coach at South Carolina. And I just remember being excited about moving to South Carolina and being excited that he was going to get an opportunity to be a head coach and all of those type of things. And that was in the middle of my seventh grade year. And so that was whenever I was really just getting started to play in. And, uh, you know, I just remember for us as a family, uh, it was a, a big moment, big time. And, uh, you know, he was able to have success there his first year going to win a bowl game. And, you know, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, being able to experience, uh, you know, both sides of the as a coach's kid and then now later on being a coach, um, you know, it's it's been fun uh, having both of those experiences. And kids are merciless at times. And even if you're not the son of a head coach of a yeah. major football program, so how difficult was it at times being the coach's son, especially when there were some struggles at yeah, the program? You know, I think uh, his, his last couple years at South Carolina, uh, you know, were not as, as successful as we all wanted them to be. So that was kind of my uh, high school years. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate. I, I went to Hammond School there in Columbia and had a lot of great uh, classmates and friends that really – um, you know, saw me as more of a friend than, than maybe the head coach's son. But obviously, you know, I saw it. You know, it's all over the news and in the newspaper. And, and you know, you go out to eat and you'd hear some things. Um, but, you know, I think that helped really uh, going through that experience and helped prepare me uh, for being a coach and understand that you have to have thick skin because, you know, fans, we, we love fans, but fan is, is short for fanatic, you know, and they're <laughs> fanatic about their team and they want to have success and uh, it's not a lot of fun when you, when you don't win and so you know going from the experience at Florida State where we we're ultra successful and then especially those last four years at South Carolina uh, we were where we were not as successful I really got to see both sides uh, and both ends and the biggest thing that I learned from that is really some advice that my dad had given me is you know you, you can't you can't uh, get too high with the highs or get too low with the lows and you really have to live that that constant line and uh, you know and uh, being a man of faith uh, you know I learned at an early age that you can't put your faith in football uh, because you know football is going to let you down and uh, you know our relationship uh, with our Lord and Savior is really that constant line in our life and you know a football coach is what I do but it's not who I am and I think that is really something that I was able to to observe from my dad and be able to see the way that he responded to ultra success and then also to failure. You know, I think him modeling that to uh, my family and really to everybody in the community is something that uh, really had an impact on me. And did that drive you even more to want to be a coach? Yeah, you know, I, I'll be honest. Uh, there, there was a time after he got let go at South Carolina, whenever I came to Clemson, uh, there was one semester where uh, my first semester actually at Clemson, I, I majored in financial management. Uh, and I think for that one year, I was kind of thinking about doing something other than coaching because <laughs> I was just coming off uh, the year that my dad got fired at South Carolina and the difficulty that was on our family. But, you know, after that first semester, I, I went and changed my major because, you know, I knew that in my heart I wanted to be a coach and I didn't want that one negative experience really to to uh, to change that, and it was really a learning experience and something that I could learn from. And then also, it it fueled me to uh, you know want to be successful down the road. 
how important was your faith then during that time of your dad getting fired and yeah. your transitioning it, to Clemson? It was, it was very important. And, um, you know, I can remember the day before my dad got fired, uh, he called my brother and I uh, back into the his bedroom and he let my brother and I, this is the, uh, in December of my senior year of high school, and uh, he let my brother and I know that uh, the next day he was going to uh, be fired and have to uh, go to a press conference and all those type of things. And big message that he shared with us at the time is that, hey, the Lord's got a, a better plan, that he's in charge of our life. And even though this is disappointing and not kind of the, the vision that we all had, you know, we just have to trust him that he has something uh, better for us uh, in the future. And at the time, I didn't want to hear that. You know, I was probably, as an 18-year-old, you know, I was, <laughs> yeah. I was upset at God and a lot of things. And, um, you know, but now, you know, looking back, you know, over, you know, almost 20 years later, just to be able to see all the things uh, that the Lord has provided for myself and, and our family, it's uh, really been incredible. And another thing that my, my dad wanted to point out is just, you know, the, the five years we were at South Carolina, you know, we tried to do a good job as, as a family of, uh, of really sharing our faith. And this was going to be an opportunity uh, with adversity that there were going to be a lot of people watching us and how we responded uh, was going to say a lot about who we were as people and about uh, how strong our faith was. And so uh, I, I know that that conversation and uh, just hearing my dad being able to stay strong uh, in his faith in that, that trial is uh, something I'll never forget. Obviously, seeing his actions and then following God's plan led you to Clemson with your dad being named an assistant coach here. Now, would you have gone to a different school if your dad would have been named an assistant somewhere else? Yeah, I was actually uh, probably headed to Furman. Uh, I had been offered by Furman, and uh, you know they offered me as a quarterback. Uh, I played quarterback in high school, but I'd already had uh, one shoulder surgery in high school, so I knew deep down that long term in college it was probably going to be difficult with the number of throws I was going to be able to <laughs> need to be able to make uh, a year round in practices and those things so I knew I was going to transition probably to wide receiver and uh, coach Tommy Bowden who was the new head coach here at Clemson really uh, asked me to come walk on at Clemson and said hey if you're going to make a move to wide receiver you might as well come to Clemson to do that and and part of my reason also uh, Rich Rodriguez was coming as the offensive coordinator with coach Bowden and they had been very, very successful offensively at Tulane. And so part of my reason to come to Clemson was uh, really to prepare uh, as a coach one day. And uh, I knew that I would be able to learn a lot uh, from Coach Bowden and Coach Rodriguez. And then also, you know, having the, the opportunity to fulfill a dream and be able to uh, play for one of my dad's teams. Uh, you know, that was something that I wanted to do at an early age with the situation at South Carolina. It didn't look like that was really going to be the best thing. And so that's why I was thinking about headed to Furman. Uh, but then whenever that transition took place, it really gave me an opportunity to achieve that uh, dream, that goal. Was it tough at first being a walk-on coach's son and having to prove to your teammates that I'm more than just the coach's son? Yeah, it was definitely a, a transition. And I, I think transition's tough for all freshmen, regardless if you're walk-on or scholarship. But definitely as a walk-on, you know, you're going to be on the scout team and, and get beat up and all those type of things. But, you know, my biggest thing is I just wanted to earn the respect of my teammates first uh, with my work ethic. Uh, I wanted all of them to know that, you know, I didn't 
I was not someone that felt like they were entitled because my dad was a coach or anything like that. And uh, I just wanted to be a, a blue-collar, hard worker and uh, you know, kind of earn my way up. And, and uh, hopefully that's what I did. Now, you weren't just a wide receiver, though. You're also the placeholder for extra points and field goals. And that's one of the most overlooked positions, but also one of the most important positions as well. So why did you want that position and the pressure that comes along with it? Sure. Well, the first thing is I looked in our room of all the wide receivers, and I I figured out it was going to be a a hard road uh, to get to the top there. And and I also knew that I wanted to travel, and I wanted to be a contributor. And so I was really trying to find an area that I would have an opportunity to contribute. And uh, I was a holder in high school as well. And um, so I I asked if I could try out to be the holder, and I was able to get that job and uh you know and i really took pride in that area you know that's one thing i've tried to kind of one of my things that i live by is you know whatever opportunity you have whatever responsibility you have no matter how big or how small you know to do the very best job you can do with that and so you know i I was able to kind of figure out that that would maybe be my contribution to the team and i'd be able to have an impact that way and uh it turned out to be a great thing well, it didn't take you long to make a contribution, obviously, in 2000 against South Carolina. At Clemson, game-winning kick, Aaron Hunt hits. You're the holder there. What's that like, that moment? Yeah, that, that was uh, pretty special. You know, I redshirted my, my first year at Clemson, so the very next year, redshirt freshman year, is uh, and I, I can just remember that game obviously being around the Clemson's you know Cle- Clemson South Carolina rivalry on the other side right. uh, for five years. <laughs> uh, this now is my second year uh, on the Clemson side and my first year as a player actually playing in the game. And I remember South Carolina scoring late, and uh, and I remember the the throw from Woody Dancer to Rod Gar- Gardner, and you know, everything happened so fast, and uh, it was going to be a game winning kick. kick. And the thing that was really unique is Aaron Hunt, who was the field goal kicker at the time, he and I had a routine that we uh, did in the summertime leading up to that year where on our game field. And we would start on the left hash and work our way to the right hash and work different yard, yard lines. And actually where that ball was spotted was the exact spot that we finish every day in the summer. And so, and I knew being around coaching my whole life that you want to kind of give your kicker you know, some positive words of encouragement uh, before they go out there and kick it. And so that was what I told Aaron, you know, as we, they, I think South Carolina might have called a timeout or something. And uh, as we were out there getting ready, I said, hey, this is meant to be. This is exactly the part on the field where we finished every day this summer. So, you know, let's just do what we practiced all summer long. And, you know, we made that kick. And obviously that was a awesome moment to win the game that way. And, you know, I joked with a lot of friends and family after that. I said, you know, there's already a lot of South Carolina fans that probably didn't like me because I was on that side at one point. And, you know, now with my dad coming over to Clemson, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot of fans on that side. And if I would have dropped or bobbled that ball, I might not have had a lot of fans on the Clemson side either. So I joked that I might have to move out of the state. But uh, luckily, everything happened so fast, I didn't have a whole lot of time to think about it. And we were able to execute. And how many times were there situations where you and the kicker might have been not arguments but in a debate with each other as far as if there's a missed kick whose fault it was yeah um you know we first of all the relationship you know it's kind of like the 
the center and the quarterback. You know, that's a special relationship because you're dealing with each other every play. And, uh, you know, really between the snapper, the holder, and the kicker, you know, those three guys have to have uh, a really good relationship, have to work together. But, you know, I, I don't really remember uh, many opportunities where we kind of placed blame on each other. If, if you know, uh, he, he made a lot of kicks while we were together, I think, uh, it's been broken now, but at the time, whenever we were finished, I think he had made scored more points than anybody at Clemson, and, uh, and then I think uh, maybe Chandler Catanzaro went on to break that record. Uh, but you know, the biggest thing was if, if there was something that happened, if we missed a ball or something like that, just really communicating with each other to figure out what we need to do to get it corrected, uh, as opposed to really blaming each other, arguing, or really. We argued a little bit off the field, but we really didn't argue uh, much about the, the, uh, what we were doing there on the field. So what is it about you and memorable last-second wins? Obviously, the game against South Carolina, but you also win a high school state championship at Blythewood when you're the head coach on a last-second field goal. And then also last-second win against Alabama for the <laughs> national championship. So you've got some type of magical yeah. touch. So I guess it's better late than never. Uh, yeah, that was definitely... You know, the, the unique thing uh, for me personally was, um, you know, our win uh, a year ago over Alabama on the last play to win the national championship came exactly 10 years uh, after the win that we had at South Carolina, or excuse me, the win that I had at Blythewood High School to win the state championship on the last second field goal. And uh, what was really neat for me was uh, a few months before the national championship game, I actually went back to Blythewood High School, and they honored uh, that 2006 uh, football team at Blythewood for winning the state championship for a 10-year reunion. And uh, so a few months later, when we win the national championship at Clemson, a lot of my former players from Blythewood, you know, they were all sending me Facebook messages and, and text messages. And even though they didn't go to Clemson or have any affiliation with Clemson, they felt like they were a part of that because <laughs> their coach was out there on the field and a part of it. So, yeah, that's definitely uh, special memories. And then also you remember uh, we beat LSU uh, in the Chick-fil-A Bowl on the last second that's right. goal uh, that really kind of started uh, the run that we've had uh, here over the last few years. And culminating that run with that national championship, and I know I shouldn't say culminating because sure. you're still building, uh, but during that game, I, I know you played offense, but on that game-winning play against Alabama, your tackling technique on Coach Sweeney was, <laughs> looks pretty solid. So what are you guys screaming and yelling at that yeah, moment? Man, that, that, was, you know, that was something that you don't really rehearse. Uh, I didn't go into that game thinking that, hey, if we win this game, I'm going to go tackle Coach Sweeney. And you know, I told many people after that, I said, man, there's not many better professions than being a, a, a football coach where you can go tackle uh, your boss <laughs> on the <laughs> sidelines. Uh, you know, but I think for me, um, you know, thinking back, I've been here with Coach Sweeney since he took over as interim head coach. And that was the, op that was the time that he moved me from graduate assistant to wide receivers coach to replace him. And to be able to see, you know, the progress that we've made, really kind of starting off from the bottom and working our way up, and so I think for me in that moment was just celebrating with him that we finally, you know, accomplished the goal and the dream that, you know, we had for the program and, uh, you know, be able to live that out right there uh, on that stage is uh, something we'll definitely uh, always remember. And some of those pressure-packed moments with these last-second kicks and last-second touchdowns, 
What is it that can keep some athletes calm under pressure, like we see with some of these kickers, like a Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I think number one is just preparation, uh, knowing that they're prepared for the moment. I think also to really talk about that. I mean, I I remember uh, specifically our offensive team meeting that we had the morning uh, before that national championship game. Uh, And, you know, I told the offense, I said, hey, there's going to be some type of special ending tonight. I don't know exactly what it looks like. I said, but you guys, over the last three years, this has been like a movie. Uh, the success that we've had, the ups and downs, the, the trials, the tribulations, all those things, I said, and the movie's coming to an end tonight. And if you think about all great movies, you know, in the middle of the movie is kind of where they have that, that difficulty and that adversity. And that's really what last year's national championship game in 2015, what that was. And I said, the end of the movie is the special part. And I said, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I said, but I think every one of us in this room know that it's going to be a special ending. And I said, the exciting thing about it to me is that we're only, you know, eight hours away from seeing that. So that was really already in our guy's mind. So when Alabama came back there and scored with two minutes left, you know, that was the moment we're in the huddle uh, and we, we looked at each other like, all right, this is what it looks like. This is exactly what we were talking about. This is the moment that we've prepared for. Now let's go execute it. And, you know, whenever I watch that last drive, that's exactly uh, what I see on that field is a, a group of guys that were ready uh, for the moment. They had already visualized that moment many times prior to that. And now it was all about just executing it. So you're giving those guys encouragement and helping them prepare to try to stay calm, but how are you staying calm in those moments? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I think I just as coaches, uh, and again, I think part of it for me is being around it my whole life. I mean, I, you know, even though I was a young kid, I was on the sidelines there at Florida State and South Carolina and a lot of big moments. And uh, just understanding as a coach that the players are going to feed off of you. And if they see that you're kind of losing your cool and, and, and you're letting your emotions get the better of you, then that's going to, uh, you know, carry over to them. And so really, as a coach, you, you want to be able to lead uh, by example. And you want guys to know that even though a lot of crazy things are going on around us, we need to be at our best. And the way we're at our best is when we're locked in, we're focused, and we're just executing the plan that we've prepared. And so that's really uh, what I've tried to do my whole career. Oftentimes we hear the cliche, uh, especially in football, if you've got two quarterbacks, then you don't have one quarterback. And knowing that you and Tony Elliott were named co-offensive coordinators, many people felt the same way. How is this going to work with co-offensive coordinators? So how have you two been able to work in such a collaborative way? Well, I think, first of all, anytime you have something like this in a co-coordinator situation, uh, it's very important the relationship that those two coaches have. Um, you know, if I was in a situation with somebody else that I didn't know, I think it'd be even more challenging. But, you know, Tony and I uh, were teammates here at Clemson. Uh, back when we played, you actually had stretch partners before practice. You partnered up. Now everything's individual stretches. But Tony and I were actually stretch partners at Clemson. Uh, for two years and so if somebody would have walked up to us while we were stretching one day getting ready for practice and told us you know that years later we would be uh, co-offensive coordinators to, uh, at Clemson I don't think either of us would have believed them but you know Tony and I have worked together for a while we, we have a great trust and respect for each other uh, Tony's specialty you know kind of as he's been learning has been with the running backs in the running game 
in my specialty area was with the wide receivers in, in the passing game. And Coach Sweeney called us in and said, hey, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I know you two guys are the right guys to do it. And uh, we'll work through it together and let you guys kind of figure out, you know, what parts you are going to uh, split up and how you are going to do it. Uh, and so Tony and I, what, what our message to our offensive guys from day one was this was not a, a Jeff Scott or a Tony Elliott offense. This was the Clemson offense, and this offense belonged to the players. And it's our job as coaches just really to serve our players and to give our guys the best plan to go out and be successful. And so we told them from the very beginning that we didn't want to make this about us. And, you know, we, we want to kind of be, you know, back in the shadows, and we want to put those guys on the stage because those are the guys that are going out and making all the plays and doing everything. But, you know, it's been awesome. Uh, Tony and I have a great uh, working relationship. We, you know, uh, a lot of people laugh around the office because there'll be days that we show up and we're wearing the exact same <laughs> outfit from head to toe. And uh, sometimes we joke that we're kind of like twins because we finish each other's sentences. Uh, but on game day, we know exactly what each other is thinking. And as we're talking on the headsets, you know, we know when to talk, when to be quiet. And, and, and we've just done that very well. And also, you know, I want to give uh, Coach Chad Morris a lot of credit because the whole time that he was here, it was no secret that at some point he was going to get an opportunity to go be a head coach. And so he really gave Tony and myself uh, added responsibility every year, kind of preparing us in case we got that opportunity and, uh, you know, on game day and having opportunities to make some key calls in certain situations uh, so that we really weren't kind of starting from scratch. And so I give him a lot of credit for uh, giving us uh, that opportunity as well. How often are there times where you guys are challenging each other, even in-game situations, about what play to run or yeah. what calls to yeah. make? Yeah, uh, well, you know, for us, a lot of the play calls uh, are, you know, are really decided before the game ever starts. And we really, our, our entire staff is involved with that. Uh, we try to to plan out every situation, our third down, our red zone, our first and second down runs and passes. And so we have a really good idea that we're all on the same page as we go into the game. You know, there will be times, and, and you know, Tony's up in the box, and he's got a really good view up there, and I'm on the field, and there's certain things that I can see on the field. But, again, it kind of goes back to that relationship and uh, that experience that we've had on the headsets with each other now uh, going on three three years um, and so we kind of know certain times you may be throwing out a suggestion and there's other times that you feel uh, very adamant about something and you want to go with your gut feeling. And I think that's uh, where we have a really good uh, gauge and, and can kind of know when, when someone's really adamant about something and know when maybe it's just a suggestion we want to get to. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's about really doing what's best for our players. And so you know, really there's not a lot of that. And I think whenever it first uh, came up that we were co-coordinators and after that first season there's a lot of people that were wanting some of those stories uh, but really it's, it's pretty boring uh, it's, it's very kind of systematic and you know it's kind of one way that I explain it it's kind of like you know a pilot and a co-pilot you know that are sitting there flying a plane and uh, there's not a lot of arguments that are going on everybody's just doing their job and making their calls and, and doing the things that they're uh, responsible to do to to help get the plane off the ground and to get it back, you know, uh, landed safely. I would presume that's part of the success or reason of success is because you are complementary of each other. Yes, and I, I think that was a big thing, too, when Coach Sweeney made uh, that decision. Obviously, Clemson was in a very good spot. He could have gone out and 
hired uh, a lot of big name, very successful uh, coordinators with experience. Uh, but, you know, Coach Sweeney's kind of trained both Tony and myself up uh, from the time that we got to Clemson. And, and uh, he knew exactly what he had in both of us. And he also knew our working relationship. And, uh, you know, so I give him a lot of credit for, for the inside and being willing to uh, act on that. Now, are there times, though, where Coach Sweeney jumps in and overrides you guys? <laughs> hey, guys, this is what we're going with. <laughs> yeah, you know, Co- Coach does a great job. Obviously, Coach has an offensive background. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll come in every week and, and give us some suggestions. He watches all the video and some of the things that he comes in to suggest, some of the things we already had written down. Then there may be some unique ideas that he suggested that we will implement. And then, obviously, as coaches, uh, there's times in key situations in, in key parts of the game where we, we want his opinion because he's the head coach and he's got to balance uh, the team aspect where we're truly just focused on the offensive side of the ball. And, uh, and you know, coach has a really good gut feeling as well. So there'll be a few times here or there where he may throw something out where he has a gut feeling. And, and uh, to be honest, uh, a lot of those are very successful. And uh, so we, we definitely – uh, go with those whenever it's uh, appropriate, but uh, he 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 uh, empowers his coaches and uh, gives us the opportunity to do our job. Has been very awesome. So his involvement and suggestions is I don't think anything outside of your typical uh, head coach who has an offensive background, and it's worked very well for us. And what is your message from a recruiting standpoint about Clemson? and even about yourself when you're out talking with the recruits? Yeah, the, the biggest message is that Clemson's a very unique place. Uh, we have a very defined culture. I mean, Coach Sweeney has done an incredible job of build, building a, a strong foundation, not only a success of a successful program on the field, but really a strong foundation for a place where guys can come in and, and, and become the best in whatever they're doing, in their academic work and and off the field, uh, and you know, with uh, you know volunteer work, and then obviously on the field, uh, we have a lot of uh, data and things to show them of the success that we've had uh, with players individually, and with our offense, and with our defense. But overall, for us, it's about the right fit. And there's a certain type of young man, certain type of family that uh, absolutely they're looking for a place like Clemson that has uh, family values. Uh, that are built on trust and respect and the attitude and, and mindset of trying to be the best in whatever you're doing. And uh, so that's been fun, being able to go on the road and be able to identify those players and families and uh, get them to Clemson. And usually whenever we get them here, uh, they're able to, to see uh, the genuineness of Coach Sweeney and our staff and the culture that we've developed here at Clemson. And it's more than just the facilities. There is a culture, that's for sure. And what is it, though, about sports that you love the most? Yeah, I think for me it's just the daily interaction with the players, um, you know, being able to, you know, a lot, a lot of our players, you know, a coach, whether it was a high school coach growing up or even maybe getting here to a college coach, is one of the most important figures in their life. And so as they're going through uh, their experience as a player, you have an opportunity to make a lifelong impact on that young man. And so for me, that's the part I enjoy the most is to be able to see these guys. You know, we're, we're meeting them a lot of times in the freshman or sophomore, uh, year on their, in their high school career. And then, you know, to go seven or eight years later to whenever they're leaving, you know, they come in as a puppy dog and they really kind of leave as a, a grown man. 
and be able to see them walking on their own two feet as they walk across the stage getting their degree and ready to go take on uh, life after football or, or after Clemson if they have a chance to go to the NFL uh, is very rewarding as a coach. And from being around coaches all your life, I, I know you've been exposed to all types of words of wisdom, phrases, quotes, mottos, but is there one that means a lot to you or life advice that you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of those. Um, you know, I think for me, one that's been great for me uh, that I learned from Coach Sweeney is bloom where you're planted. And I think a lot of times uh, as we get started in our career, it's so easy to you know, be able to start pointing at where you'd like to go and how you'd like to move up the ladder and all of the things maybe that you think you need to do and contacts you need to make and people you need to talk to to be able to, to kind of climb the ladder and make these moves, especially early, you know, as your graduate assistant and trying to work your way up and those type of things, you know, but the advice that I was given and Coach Sweeney, you know, has uh, talked about a lot of times is, hey, bloom where you're planted. Wherever your feet are, just be great right there and do a great job with the responsibility that you have. And I was able to see that. One of the reasons that Coach Sweeney decided to promote me from a graduate assistant to be the wide receivers coach whenever Coach took over as a head coach is because he had watched me uh, for many years before work at the football camp. When I was a high school coach, I'd come back and work Clemson's football camp and work directly with Coach Sweeney. And then whenever I was here that one year as a graduate assistant, Coach Sweeney gave me more responsibility uh, because Coach Sweeney was a camp director, so he kind of made me assistant camp director. And uh, because of, of the job that I did with the responsibilities that he gave me, that's really what has propelled him to, to give me the opportunity to be the wide receivers coach. And uh, I think a lot of times that's a big message I try to give to young coaches is you never know who is watching. Um, and it's the same way with Coach Sweeney. When he got the head coaching job at Clemson is because – you know, Terry Don Phillips, the AD at the time, had watched him as a position coach and been very impressed by the way that he coached his guys and, and the discipline and those type of things. And so really just be great where you are, uh, bloom where you're planted, and uh, everything else to take care of yourself. Yeah, well, that's some great advice, and I try to embark that same advice to my kids as well. So I agree with you 100%. And finally, what's some of the things that we should be keeping an eye out for the spring game this year? Yeah, um, you know, every year is a new year. And even though we have a lot of guys returning, uh, we look at it as a completely new team, a new offense, a new defense, new special team, and, and a new season. And, and obviously there's a lot of attention around the quarterback situation. We're very excited. We've got four talented quarterbacks and and uh, I expect all four of those guys to play well and make plays. And, uh, you know, but I think just kind of seeing what is the, the 2018, uh, you know, Clemson football team going to look like. And that's one thing to kind of see it on paper, but actually see it on the field and be able to compete against each other. That's one benefit we have here at Clemson is, you know, is, is iron sharpens iron. You know, our offense and defense are very talented. And so that's a very good battle every day. And uh, so to be able to go out and do that in Death Valley and have our fans there is always uh, a great time. Yes, it is. And thank you, Coach Scott. It's been an honor, and I greatly appreciate you letting me steal so much of your time. Sure. Glad to be with you. 
Having success can cause many of us to quickly seek out what's the next opportunity in search of something bigger and better. And while Jeff has had success, it's evident that he understands the value of growing within your role, which actually just might lead to something even bigger and better than he could have ever dreamed or envisioned as a kid sitting in Charlie Ward's locker. Now that finishes episode 58, and remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Thanks for listening. 